0: It's the TEH podcast, episode number 185. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMos.com. So yeah, l- let's get philosophical, shall we?
1: Philosophical. You're you're now you're a huge Star Trek fan. I know that. I am. Um yes. And I am I'm a fan. I'm not like a huge fan, like I haven't even seen some of the series. Uh wow. probably saw most of the original episodes like a long time ago and then a few here and there i've seen i think i've seen all the movies actually so i might be good there but like i don't i haven't seen the new stuff i've probably only seen half of next generation but i appreciate star trek okay and i really do and and i actually i classify, classify myself on the star wars side you know star wars versus star trek but i'd be the first person to say star wars is fantasy not science fiction star trek science fiction and i love science fiction Ah, okay one of the things i love the most about star trek is the thing that any fan will tell you (laughs) is that it it presents a very different future than a lot of other science fictions it presents a future where a lot of problems have been solved by technology and the result is that people's lives are better Mm -hmm. notably on earth most notably when it comes to uh you know labor and stuff like that they've got obviously they can make whatever they want using the what's that called the
0: replicators
1: replicators <laughs> yes the replicators can make whatever they want and that's also in a lot of other science fiction things like that so there's no need for factories anymore um a lot of things technology provides it means there's People don't need to work. And they point this out many different times, uh, most notably through the later series. I don't know if it really is pointed out too much in the earlier stuff, but I know it was Gene Roddenberry's kind of part of his vision.
0: Yes, it was a very aspirational vision. Absolutely.
1: Yes, that the future should have at some point gotten markedly better because people don't have to work. They can work if they want to, Mm -hmm. but otherwise things can be provided for them. And, uh, that's a nice future to think about, but some things that have happened recently within the last few months, actually, and mostly within the last maybe decade or two, but the last few months in particular have pointed to the fact that we have taken steps in this direction of perhaps, uh, machines or computers, uh, doing more work that perhaps people don't really want to be doing, or most people don't want to be doing, um, we already have automated factories far beyond what they were when Henry Ford, you know, created the first production yes. line, right? Yes. That was all people, all people doing everything. And they used some tools and then the tools got better and better. And eventually in, you know, the last two decades, we've gone to robots, but not as you would think of in science fiction, not little Android type robots, but arms and machinery and you know things that move that are basically robots but they're not what well, you picture in sci-fi that do a lot of the work on these in these factories and fewer and fewer humans and the humans that are involved are much more of the engineering you know engineer's type than mm-hmm. the laborer type mm-hmm. and that's all good some other things that have been happening, you know, and, and to reflect that, there's been, you know, work week, you know, five-day work week, 40 hours a week, you know, eight hours a day, even less in some cases where mm-hmm. people are now sometimes working less than 40 hours a week.
0: And some countries I think have actually moved to formalize yeah. a four-day work week.
1: Four-day work week. And actually, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Um now I understand that there are parts of the world where things are not like that yet? Correct. <laughs> there still are yes. six or even seven day work weeks that there's still longer hours and stuff. But in general, you know, things are moving with some countries leading and other countries lagging. Uh, but there, things
0: are moving towards that. What I find interesting is that some countries are leading, absolutely. Some are lagging. Yeah. But as a, if you take, if you consider it as like a bell curve,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: entire the entire bell curve is moving.
1: Yes, exactly. Right? So things it are is. getting
0: things are getting incrementally better, regardless of where you are on the bell curve. It's just that it's getting better for everybody.
1: Right. And what has changed recently? I mean, because the, the the actual robotics have been getting better and better over uh, uh, twenty years, probably maybe more, thirty years maybe. Um, what's changed in the last few months is all this AI, and the interesting thing about AI that we've been seeing now, like chat GPT and such, is that the AI is a little bit more, there's a little more thought to it. It's kind of graduated from the algorithmic stage to just something slightly more where it can maybe, like for instance, if you were to ask chat GPT, I actually just did this as an example, like how to fix a squeaky door. Mm-hmm. It gave me some suggestions on what could be causing the squeaky door and some general knowledge about like, oh, you you know, WD-40 on the hinges, that kind of thing. And if you asked it, well, tell me more about WD-40 on the hinges. It'll give you more details and, you know, of exactly like how to apply it and things like that, which is interesting because if you attach that to, say, robotics, you get this thing where instead of having to, to say, okay, we've got a robot, we need to program it for every movement it's got to move this much over here rotate this much you know do this do that it follows this entire program and that's and then it could repeat but it may not be long before you can just say oh screw in that bolt and it will figure out the rest oh bolt i have bolts there's a place for the bolt to go this is what i should be doing and it does it and you don't have to give it every little bit of instruction and -hmm. then you extrapolate on that and you could have uh Robotics with AI that could figure things out much easier, which means that more even more jobs will go towards having an automated it's, it's robot is really hard because people keep imagining humanoid right. androids, right? Automated, automated machinery, you know, doing it. Uh so what happens if we extrapolate to the day where a ton of these jobs aren't needed to be done by humans on the one hand, but on the other hand, to, to match that, if we go with a Gene Roddenberry-type future, uh, the, I guess, productivity of all the automation gets to the point where goods and services can be provided at a much cheaper cost. We already see that a lot. I mean, you could... Yeah, you can go and say, "Well, the price—you hey, know—the price of eggs just went up a lot in the last <laughs> couple months. I mean, that was due to bird flu mostly. But you know, if you look at the fact that we could, I could get pineapples from Mexico or Hawaii here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I if I lived a hundred years ago and I said, and I was a rich lumber baron living in a mansion here in Denver, and I said, I want a pineapple from Hawaii, it would have cost me a lot of money." To get a pineapple from Hawaii, right? I'd be like, "Okay, sir, we'll see what we can do." Uh, but now I can just go to the supermarket, and it's two dollars and fifty cents, um, and it's from Hawaii. So things are moving towards the point where you know food is becoming more affordable in general. Things like eggs—the price of eggs this week aside. Um, so what happens? We get to the point where people don't have to work, not only because the jobs that they that needed those people don't need people anymore, but also because now maybe they don't need to work because they, you know, can afford what they need because of all this automation. I mean, that's exactly what the Star Trek future is. And it seemed like it was hundreds of years off, but now suddenly we've got a uh, pretty advanced robotics and uh, AI that is, you know, could control this, ro- these robotics and maybe bring this future about, much quicker than than I would have thought even a year ago.
0: Sure. <clears throat> what I find interesting about Star Trek is that they have a uh, a very ambiguous relationship with, of all things, currency. Um, there's a, uh, a kind of an implication across most of the series, certainly in the original series, but I think it's true for some of the others as well, that um, currency doesn't exist, uh, which is kind of an odd concept when you think of it. Um, it's like extreme socialism uh to those of a political bent and of course that would scare many people of of some political bents but um um, on the other hand there are also uh clear cases uh where it became really really prevalent in uh um the ds9 series where there's uh you you know an entire species who's uh uh laws of, of acquisition, as they're called, were all about making money. And they actually did, at that point, then create a currency. Uh, what I find interesting, though, is that um, I don't think it's a case where nobody's working anymore. Um, hmm. Clearly, there's a bunch of people working on the starships. Yes. Um, and sure. whenever whenever they end up um, having uh, any kind of uh, uh, storyline or, or whatever that involves, uh, you know, back home, Earth or uh-huh. the uh, the uh, star um, uh, star bases around it, uh, there's plenty of people doing stuff. They're just doing other stuff, and uh-huh. I think that that's that's one of it, as I mentioned in, in our little show notes here. This actually touches on one of my pet peeves because whenever we have progress that um, is uh, implicated in uh, potentially making some job uh, either less relevant or um, Okay, you know, having it completely go away. There's a lot of of cry, hue and cry that you know. Oh my gosh, we're losing jobs. We're losing jobs. No, no, we're not. Um, it's not that jobs are going away. I think that there will always be jobs. There will always be things to do. It's just that the things we do change over time and what's unfortunate what makes the argument really really difficult is that it is impossible to predict what the jobs of say 10 years from now even will look like uh, compared to the jobs we have today it's very easy to identify jobs that we're losing today right it's because it, the technology that's being created is a direct threat on um say you know the example you used earlier um, assembly line workers right uh-huh. there're probably fewer of those today than there were uh, years ago, but um, it's clear, uh, a that there's fewer, B, why there's fewer. Um, what's not clear is uh, what happens, you know, w- what jobs are arising to take their place. Mm. Um, the example that I tend to use and it's a it's a it's a bad example, but it's not. A lot of people think of it as being hyperbole, but in reality it's not, and that's the old concept of um, either horse tack or buggy whips. back, Before there were automobiles, there was a thriving enterprise in making horse tack and, like I said, buggy whips, um, because that was the primary mode of transportation at that time. Uh, uh-huh. They don't exist. They exist today, but only as, you know, niche kind of um, uh, almost renfair kind of specialties. There's a lot of horse tack out there for hobbyists and people that deal <laughs> with horses. But in terms of actual being, um, you know, an industry, that's something one would call an industry that relates to our day to day lives. That's simply not true anymore. And yet um, I don't see a huge horse tack lobby. Uh, At this point, um, still, you know, lobbying to say, you know, we should bring back horses, we should subsidize making horse tack. Um, You know, we need we need more buggy whips because we're putting Mm. buggy whip makers out of out of work. The reality is everybody that was doing that found other work. Um, and that's actually, I think, one of the neat aspects of the human condition that is not stated in Star Trek, but I think it's implied, and that is simply that humans are infinitely adaptable. Um, we have the ability to change. We have the ability to grow. We have the ability to learn new skills. So, absolutely, as a as a society, uh, the threat of AI, the threat of of robotics. Uh, you know society is not going to lose jobs there will still be jobs now mm. to be clear individuals in society will lose jobs right the the person who is uh potentially working on an assembly line today may not have a job working on an assembly line tomorrow or sometime in the future but they will have a job if yeah. they are willing to uh, exercise, like I said, that one very unique human characteristic of being able to learn new things, do new things, um, and take on new roles. Uh, the, one of the interesting things, uh, I think it was an article that I linked to in um, uh, seven takeaways a week or two ago. There's a shortage of electricians. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, there are not enough electricians to do all the work. and part of that is because of the tremendous growth in the electrification of um, of many key, uh, aspects of our, our day to day life, not the least of which isn't the tra- the transition that's happening right now to electric vehicles. Um, so, you know, if you're a laid off assembly line worker, go learn electric, go learn to be an electrician. And trust me, you'll probably make more work and have more control over your future than, than otherwise. Um, it, it, that sounds very easy to say, right? Just go learn something new. And I realize mm. that that's not an answer for everybody, but that's, What happens? That's how society progresses through these kinds of of transitions. These underlying, fundamentally underlying technological transitions. Uh, In that sense, I I guess I don't really see AI and robotics as being any different than uh, you know steam back in the day, or automobiles back in the day, or um, even. uh, you know the computers the, the screens you and i are scaring staring staring <laughs> at staring <laughs> at right now uh-huh. um you know there it's, it's been a lanch if you take a look at the, the newspaper industry right um the number of newspaper delivery people um has mm-hmm. declined precipitously right uh, yes um, yeah and they've gotten other jobs they've found other things to do um and <sighs> I, I don't mean to minimize the individual impact that has, because as an individual, when you lose your job, it's a very traumatic thing. Um, and, and and I understand that I realize that. But um, at a societal level where we're I think we're talking about this transition, um it's something that, to be honest, just isn't anything new. It's just incredibly difficult to predict where it's headed.
1: yeah. Uh, I, yeah, they all really good examples with the past technology. Doing basically the same thing, and technology just continues to do the same thing. It probably goes back even further in history with examples of just uh, you know probably uh, you know farming and fishing and hunting. <laughs> you know, uh, technologies made it so that oh hey you know what you know we don't need a huge hunting party to go out anymore. It could be half the size. So right, you right, guys well, all lost your hunting jobs.
0: I was thinking of of big shovel um, uh, objecting to the uh, the invention of the plow. <laughs> there, there you go. That's
1: a good example. I just wonder if so. If the question is: Will we ever get to the point where instead of ha- people having to look for a different kind of job, they could instead say, "Yeah, I'm I'm good. I don't need a job." <laughs> like because that is suppose I, I know that we always see we're, when we're watching Star Trek, we're watching the people that are in Starfleet you know right. that are doing things that have and and many times i know they have talked about how they felt oh i felt a calling i didn't want to just do do nothing i wanted to be in starfleet i wanted this right. you know and that's why they're there and that's why we're seeing them in these stories but that there are people that are not particularly doing anything i mean w- you, the assumption is made um at least in my limited viewing of star trek that uh, that they are doing pursuing their own interests art hobbies um, whatever it is contributing in some way uh, you know cuz there certainly are many ways to contribute to society that do not involve having a job
0: yeah it, i i don't know that i i don't know that i walk away from watching star trek with that no, um like i said I, earlier i i mean certainly there are people who contribute to society Via their art or via their hobbies or whatever, but honestly, that's true today too. Um, it, there, what I what I mentioned earlier is that I, what I see in Star Trek is folks that are doing jobs that um, a still need to be done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, an example is I don't know. There have been episodes set at mining colonies. Well, there are apparently still miners. Mm. Um, at, you know, in um, uh, in the future, um, do they do <laughs> the same thing that we do that we think of mining as being today? Uh, are they in a hole with a pick? Probably not. Um, are they driving a robot? Are they you know dealing with with uh, the maintenance or, or implementation of? Uh, uh, some kind of a remote scenario? Possibly, right? They're using technology, not necessarily their brawn to actually do the mining, but the job still exists. The role still exists. Um, and I think the same is true for, like I said, when you even see um, a scenario set out um, on earth in, in quote unquote. Um, it's funny. They have a, um, uh, a a reluctance, I will. It's very unusual for a show like Star Trek to show you day to day life, because day to day life doesn't make for episodical TV, yeah. right? Um, but there are still scenarios where you're seeing some glimpses of day to day life, and you know, yeah, people are still shopping, they're still going to restaurants, they're still cooking, they're still being served at a table, they're still, there's all sorts of things that you and I would even today still consider to be normal, without even accounting for. All of the different jobs that I would assume there will be in two, three, four hundred years.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I I think um I think my my feeling is is that this was not something where we were even going to make many steps towards it right. in my in my lifetime, but now I've changed that opinion.
0: Right. Yep. I I tend to agree I, I but but I, I tend to agree in the sense that only from the technological side of things I think that the yeah. technology is probably going to be Bye. doing more things than you and I envisioned uh sooner this the impact to society as far as I'm concerned is a a completely different ball game because um, honestly it has less to do with the technology and more to do with um politics and beliefs and um, a willingness to accept change. And uh, those are all things that, to be honest, are, are complete, complete wild cards.
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, I think uh, when I read about history, you know, I think of 100 or so years ago mm-hmm. of kids growing up, big families and expected to work in the family business whether it was farming or something else right um pretty quickly to the point where it was like oh we've got four kids one of you could go to higher schooling but three of you need to stay here right. and work whereas today at least here in the us it seems much more of like oh you're you're old enough to go out on your own well go get out luck
0: have fun yeah yeah like
1: <laughs> no what you don't you don't hang around here you know <laughs> That kind of thing. So, and then even to the point now where you do have, you know, the whole van life kind of thing going on, where many young that people too. are choosing, yeah. which is only really an extension of something that's been going on for a long time. Even, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, you know, people that had uh, more money, had wealth, would take off more time mm-hmm. to, uh, after school before work. They would go on i think in europe the the wealthy there called it the grand tour where they would send their kids out touring the capitals of europe uh you know would have fun take a year to, or six months or whatever and then here in the united states later after world war ii the, you know there became a thing it was like take a year either uh in the middle of college before college or just after college these
0: so-called go the to gap, europe gap year yeah,
1: gap yep. year um yep. And but now that's extended for some people anyway, to be like, I go either before, after or during college, uh, I'm going to go off and not have a job or at least a full time job, travel around indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's a year, but that's not the plan. Maybe it's several years. Uh, this is so new that people are just still doing it. We don't really know what the end of it is, right. you know, in terms of like. Uh, it, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. And yeah, having the other... these geek jobs, I think, adds to it as well because yes. when you could not, when the only thing you could do to make money was work forty hours a week and stay in one spot, so you could show up and work nine to five, and yep. that was it. Now suddenly it's like, oh, I could log in and do t- ten hours of work a week and customer support or freelance graphic design or whatever it is you're doing and that that little bit of time without
0: a home without rent just some gas money some food money that's all i need that enables everything else yeah Where i thought you were headed it's a different it's a a different example of what i think is the exact same progression um you know in the in the past um you were in the family business. There was a family business, right? Each yeah. generation was expected to carry forward that same business. So a business, a job, if you will, was multi-generational. Then it transitioned to being the job you did for life. You were a company man. You started at this company. You retired from this company. Uh, you know, so that was the, the job, regardless of what your, your, your parents did or your kids did, you had this one job for your entire career. Now, especially, we're finding that, uh, I think it was just a few years ago, that it was expected that individuals would probably have about two or three, maybe four different quote-unquote jobs throughout their career. And I don't mean just, you know, different positions doing the same task. I mean, literally, different skills being used for different things. Um, I kind of sort of consider myself halfway straddling that because uh, while I'm still in technology, I'm not, I'm not writing code anymore. I'm writing about code, which is two different jobs, if you will. But I think there's a lot more striking examples out there. And what you've just described, uh, especially using gig work is kind of a continual change, a continual um, um, ebb and flow of, of the work that you do, the work that you want to do and how much of that work you want to do hmm
1: Yeah. No, it's definitely, I, I think people do switch career. I meet more and more people that have switched careers and sometimes not in the direction that you expect. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> it's, they, they were an engineer or they were a programmer or something, and now they're a handyman. Right. You know, uh, big be- why? Well, because maybe the stress wasn't for them. Maybe the, uh, the constant changing of jobs. I have a friend that is a, is a programmer and, uh, a, Unlike me, an entrepreneur who's a programmer, he was a work for a company type and boy, really would have loved to have just worked for a company for a long period of time. But I think it's two or three years and whatever startup or company that expanded or whatever, you know, and then they move on and it's funny because they lay off.
0: I used to refer, so I was at Microsoft for many years, but I used to refer to myself as having a two to three-year corporate attention span, whereas yeah. it wasn't the company changing out from underneath me, although that happened, of course. But um, it was like me saying, okay, you know what? I've done this for for a while. Let's go do something else, or let's go work for somebody else, or let's work on some different technology. So yeah, that that's, that, that resonates for some reason with me.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I still think And I still look forward to a a future where I'm hoping that some people can choose not to work like that's a valid choice because of things become less expensive because it becomes easier to live that. I mean, I I know there's got to be it's it's hard when you envision one person who is an individual isolated to themselves. Mm -hmm. Where do they how do they live? Where do they, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's easier when you start to think of, okay, a spouse. Okay, a family. Okay, a you know a situation like that where there may be income coming in from some other area. Um,
0: I but- think it's it's complicated, and this actually starts to transition from technology and politics more into social sociology and yeah. psychology because I, I honestly don't think having a world where you don't work is necessarily a good thing. I think the more desirable thing is. Um, a world where you choose what it is you want to work on. You know, you choose. You have more flexibility uh, about choosing what it- your job is. The problem is, the, what I'm coming back to is that simply people need meaning. Right, they need meaning in their lives. That's been, you know, shown multiple times mm. to be one of the things that is the the biggest driver in individuals' uh, self worth, their happiness. Is are they doing um, something, whatever that is, that gives them meaning? And. Uh, a lot of the times, mo- I'd even say most of the times, uh, that is something that you and I might refer to as a job. They are yes. contributing to society in some way and getting paid for it, and that gives them meaning for whatever whatever definition of meaning if, applies to them. For others, it's doing art. Um, but I don't you know or or doing something altruistic or volunteering or any number of different things. Yeah, uh, but I think it's important uh, to understand that people need to do something.
1: Oh yeah, I just totally disagree with you that they should do something. Just whether or not it's a job, matter of fact. So what, what
0: makes a job a job? What's your definition well, of job? Uh,
1: getting paid. Okay. Getting paid by a company, somebody. Uh, I mean, and this, the two things kind of feed into each other. Okay, imagine a imagine a cra- somebody that wants to be a craftsman, work with wood, build cabinets, and you mm-hmm. know, really fine things out of wood, and that's their passion. And there's a, there's a company that they do that and it's perfect. They go, no, sorry, we don't have any, we have seven people we employ. We're full up. Oh, that sucks. Well, it turns out one of those seven people doesn't even want to be there, but they need a job (laughs) because they got to pay their bills and they're good at working with wood, even if they don't care very much well. If you shift things around a bit, that person that doesn't really care very much can quit and go off and do whatever they want. That's not a job because they're not making money. And it opens up the slot for the person that really wants to work on a job where they are a craftsman like that.
0: Right. But we still need a way for that individual who is working to make money to make money. Right. He needs to be able to pay the bills still.
1: Well, so the question. Yeah. So that's the thing is if we can get somewhere with all the technology. Right. Where it becomes easier or cheaper or somehow possible you know short of having a replicator which is a technology we certainly don't have now and who knows may never have but uh short of having that um you know it's it's it things there are steps between what we have now and replicators yes. you know and the <laughs> yes, and the steps are. and the steps are like automated factories and 3D printing I mean 3D printing is like the the horse and buggy. <laughs> Of replicators, <laughs> right? It's like, hey, theoretically, you punch some keys and this device creates something for you. Yes, it can only I create like certain things, so you can only create out of certain materials, it can only create certain sizes, all of this stuff. It's slow and everything, but it is kind of a horse and buggy replicator. And so we have steps <laughs> where the 3D printing can get better, automated factories can get better. I mean, imagine right, right now to use a 3D printer to create something. Yeah, you're limited materials, and mm-hmm. you have to know how to use the thing, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine a three D a three D printer that has a lot of different materials that I can use, and you could actually just say, "Make me a you know whatever I need e.
0: tea Earl Grey
1: hot." Well, okay, that would be, <laughs> but but maybe a tea cup, you know, <laughs> it'd be like, oh, I needed te- I I need a tea cup, right? right? Make me a teacup out of porcelain, and Oof, you just say teacup. that, and it and it responds with, uh, "Make making you a teacup out of porcelain. Be ready in three minutes and fifty two seconds, right. and then and you see and it does it, and you don't have to program it. You didn't have to download any blueprints. You didn't have to know all this stuff to set it up, and you know it becomes a you know, it goes from maybe the horse and buggy to maybe. Uh,
0: stagecoach of <laughs> but to, but to be fair that didn't make jobs go away it changed jobs um there are people that had to make that thing there are people that had yeah. to maintain that thing there are people that had to program that thing there are people that had to uh potentially install that thing into wherever mm. it had to be installed so like I said um jobs are going to change jobs are going to change and um
1: maybe that- could we could we say that? There, maybe there's a percentage of people that have jobs that they want to have and a percentage of people that have jobs that are just doing it for the money. And of course, there's a lot of gray area in between, right? Of
0: course. And what we're the goal here is to change the percentage to, Shift, to maximize shifting. happiness. Yep. Yes, yep. to
1: have more people doing. I'm doing this. I'd do this even if they didn't pay me. Is the saying? But of yep. course, nobody actually says that. It's like. Well, you still got to pay me though. Um, but you know, well, you honestly, the, that's
0: that's kind of sort of what I thought when I discovered computer programming. But you know,
1: well, but uh, <laughs> hey, same with me. It's like it's like. Oh, I realize I'm creating value, so you definitely should pay me for this. But yes. I do love doing, I'm not, when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking, God, it's a good thing I'm getting paid a lot because otherwise I'd be hating Just, this. No, right, I'm thinking, right. hey, this is great. People pay me to do this. This is fantastic. Yep. But, um, you know, and there's that gray area. And if we can shift that, I mean, that's kind of a bell curve too. If yep. we shift that bell curve, so we have fewer people doing work they really don't want to do and more people that actually do the work that they enjoy or somehow find other fulfillment besides just the paycheck then then maybe that's maybe that's utopia I don't know
0: yeah I I don't know either I think it'll always be complicated um people are messy and uh you yes. know, I mean not everybody necessarily wants to add value to society not everybody necessarily wants to uh, <laughs> um, um be uh, fulfilled or have meaning in their life um so yeah It'll, it's but I absolutely agree these are these are exciting times with some of the possibilities that um, uh, that the technology is exposing. Uh, what I included what what there are two things that this reminded me of your discussion earlier about about um, chat GPT specifically. Uh, I ran across an article I think just yesterday even um, that I'll be including in this week's seven takeaways. Uh, what is chat GPT doing and why does it work? Uh, it is uh, it's a long article. Uh, I've not made my way through the entire thing yet, but Mm -hmm. it is probably the best, most accessible discussion of um, literally exactly what the title says, what's it doing and how, you know, why does it work? Um, That I think would make it, uh, make it easier for a lot of people to truly understand. Uh, Honestly, in many ways, how simple the concept really is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and um, <laughs> as a result, how easy it is to get wrong. But um, um, you know, it, it just why it works, how it works, how it was trained, why it's doing what it's doing. Um, like I said, it's a it's an interesting read. The other thing and I I have to look up the video for this because I, I wasn't um, uh, I ran across it a couple of days ago. I didn't bookmark it, and I should have, of course. Um, you were indicating that one of the things that uh, you had to do for. Uh, your replicator, or for one of the other robotic scenarios, was you have to basically <clears throat> tell it what to do. You basically have to program uh, the robot yeah. building your car how to build a car. And by program, that usually means uh, you know move three inches to the left, and move three inches up, uh, rotate the screwdriver, and put the bolt in, or whatever. Uh, there is a video of a uh, a robot arm with a camera that is essentially uh, learning what to do by watching. Mm. So you demonstrate to it what you want it to do, and then it does it. Um, Same thing. This is absolutely the buggy whip compared to whatever this could turn into in the future. But um, it's another way of programming the AI that I think is very, very interesting and has a lot of potential. Not necessarily telling it what to do, but showing it what to do, Mm. um, which is, uh, like I said, pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, the answer might be a combination of all of those Yep. Uh, Telling, being able to program it, being able to just tell it, it natural language programming, in other words, mm-hmm. and being able to show it, and and yeah, all of that. It if is. If I had uh, to,
0: pre- if I had to predict, um, it, the combination, I agree. Well, there will be a combination, but it will work from the least refined to the most. By that I mean, um, you'll show it how to do something, and then you'll tell it where it went wrong. Right. And then bad, bad robot, bad robot. Yes. Um, And then um, you will program it at a more granular level about what it means to do it right. Uh, Because clearly the demonstration or the explanation uh, wasn't sufficient, but you still need to be able to have that fine, literally fine motor control uh, over exactly what it's doing. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, One of the other concepts that came across uh, my radar this week was uh, the concept of um, AI not necessarily – one of the things you'll hear from a lot of uh, AI researchers is that Mm -hmm. intelligence is the wrong word. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not artificially intelligent. It's using something called machine learning. Um, And if you read the article on what is ChatGPT doing, you'll see that it's basically just learning from this huge corpus of data um, and making um, not intelligent choices, but rather statistical predictions based on um, the information that it has, the corpus that it has, and then the task or the information that it's being presented with. Intelligence in that scheme um, is really just a simulation, right? It's mm-hmm. it, it. We think it's intelligent because it has become so good at simulating intelligence that we think it's intelligent, which really brings us to a very interesting question that I'm sure has plagued philosophers for millennia, and that is, what does it mean to be intelligent, <laughs> right? Yeah. What's the difference between a simulation and intelligence? Now, we, the the old Turing is, I'm sorry, it wasn't the, um, um, not the Turing test.
1: Well, there was a Turing test, yeah. Which that's... is
0: basically, you know, if if a person can't determine whether or not yeah. you're interacting with a real person or a computer, then you've achieved um uh, artificial intelligence. Yeah. And um in reality in that sense in many cases we're there. Yeah. There are there are de- definitely solutions that have passed the Turing test. But we still don't consider them to be artificially intelligent. They're just really really good simulations. And I just find this another fascinating perhaps pedantic uh uh examination of exactly where some of this technology is happening or is headed. And my, my questions are twofold. One is, as well, if you're not a researcher, right? If you're if you're not someone who's knee deep in this stuff trying to understand or even make it work, does the difference really matter? In other words, if you're dealing with something that is a simulation of something that is so intelligent you can't tell that it's a simulation, is the distinction relevant at all? Mm.
1: Yeah. I uh, it's well, I think it is because you you have to you have to expect more. I it's not be it, like being able to just tell that you have to say oh it seems like it's a real thing, but I think AI should be able to surpass.
0: You know what I mean? So you're th- what, AI should be more intelligent than people?
1: Not not intelligent, but in uh, I guess productivity like like it shouldn't be a yes man right you shouldn't be able to explain something to ai and it says oh that's a good idea <laughs> i understand what you're saying which that's apparently good, is
0: yeah. what chat gpt is doing today right
1: <laughs> you, right yeah
0: if you it tell it it's a, wrong enough times it'll finally agree with you
1: <laughs> right it should be able to invent it should be able to improvise it should be able to mm-hmm. do what humans do which is come up with a new idea i mean have to you go and you talk to people if you have if you have something you're working on a project you're working on and you Talk to other people about it. Sometimes you'll get them saying, Well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you include that? Or whatever. Even if, and and it shows that even intelligence, it doesn't even have to apply directly to what you're doing. I could have a coding thing that I'm working on and talk to a non coder and say, I'm working on this app and it does this, this, and this. And they say, Oh, so, you know, would it do this? And they're like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. You know, that's a good idea. It should. You don't even know coding, but just by talking to somebody else, another intelligence, It went beyond, you know, it added it to what the conversation was with something new. Right. And that's where AI I mean, I don't know what sort of test that would be, (laughs) but it should be Rosenzwag
0: test. There you go.
1: (laughs) Well, but you know, the weird thing is that Chat GPT already does this, right? So Yes, because I've done, I've used it myself Uh to be like, I'm going to do a video on X ways to whatever, whatever. And I think of all the ways and I, uh, come on, if I can just come up with one or two more. And then I ask chat GPT and it spits back out at me, the things that I already know. And then occasionally we'll list one. It's like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. It's funny. I had the
0: <laughs> the opposite experience just yesterday. I finished writing an article on a topic, again with an, a list of things, mm-hmm. and I said oh, I should throw this at ChatGPT, and it came up with a subset of my list. So I felt oh, yeah. woohoo, woohoo. Oh, so, but the the difference here, I think, that is that what you're describing is um, you were in a way talking to someone with who's familiar with your problem domain right? They have all the knowledge of your problem domain to bring to the yeah. And all they really did, they didn't really give you a new idea. They just gave you um, related ideas uh, in that same problem domain. I think the real test, um, what, what I laughingly refer to now as the Rosenzweig test, oh. is if they come up with an idea hmm. from a problem domain that is completely unrelated to your question, that somehow applies either conceptually or perhaps tangentially. um, That I'm not sure is happening yet, Um, but you're right. I think that that's a very fascinating, fascinating marker of uh, another progression in um, AI.
1: I think there is some examples of some of the, and this isn't like chat GPT that we're all using. This is like examples of things in research laboratories. Where you know they come up with like uh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of an example there, but going back to my factory example, mm-hmm. you know, you have a robotic arm and you say you need to put this bolt in this you know in, in mm-hmm. this hole right here, and you program fifty seven different movements to put the pick up the bolt, put it through, test right. it, do all of that, and, and as opposed to in the future, you go and you say put the bolt in this hole, and it goes and figures out the fifty seven steps on its own, or the surprising thing would be is if it you know, you tell it to do that and it does it in 43 steps. And you're like, oh, oh, I never would have thought to grab the bolt from there, (laughs) swing it around and hit it, you know, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And algorithms do this. um, But again, that's-
0: that's still, to my way of thinking, that's still just optimizing within the same yeah, problem optimize. domain, right? It's,
1: it's very algorithmic, which, not which is Which is
0: awesome, and that's exactly the kind of stuff that I hope um, AI will do and do soon, right? I think those are wonderful opportunities. I'm more thinking of, you know, your robot is working on the 57 steps to insert a bolt, mm-hmm. and it pulls from, oh, I don't know, some random pasta recipe, a sequence (laughs) that somehow conceptually Mm -hmm. applies or could apply to optimize the sequence of installing the bolt. And that's the kind of leap. That's the kind of leap you and I make all the time, consciously and unconsciously. Mm -hmm. That's that's, That's basically part of the human condition, but it's not something I think is in AI yet. And I think it will be. And I think that part will be fascinating.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of the the book about AI. Um, uh, oh, what's it called? A- 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 what's that number? Avogados number, whatever. Oh, av- yeah, yeah, Avogado Corp is the name of it. And that's supposed to be a placeholder for Google. And in that book, an uh. AI <laughs> be, doesn't never become self-aware, but uh-huh. actually does start to change the world. Um, and one of the things it sees is that the key to curing cancer is actually something that only ceramic scientists study, but ceramic scientists have no idea that there's an application in curing cancer. Yes. So it simply arranges for a convention of, uh, you know, uh, c- cancer researchers and a, uh, ceramics conference, you know, c- a ceramic science conference <laughs> to take place at the same hotel and double books, all the rooms. So there's great confusion and it ends up all of these different scientists from these two <laughs> different realms have to basically spend this week together. And they get to talking and it leads to a breakthrough. The AI didn't really know what the breakthrough was, but it knew that those domains needed to be combined to get to
0: it. For some reason, this reminds me a lot of the book that I've mentioned, I think, last week, Range. Um, And it's, it's another one of those things where there's so much value to be had in. Uh, some would say cross pollination. Some would say cross contamination. But the bottom line is that getting different, um, uh, getting a breath of experience, or having a different, pro- like I said, problem domains cross over in unexpected ways, are where a lot, a lot of inventions and uh, new, uh, new ideas come from. Uh, so mm. yeah, yeah, very mm. cool. You have to yep. tell me, tell me what the name of that book is. I'll have to, I'll have to.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll it put it in so the show hard. notes here.
0: So my other question that all of this started to come to is, is the one we occasionally joke about whenever we talk about artificial intelligence. And that is, how do I know I'm not a simulation? Mm. And if I'm a simulation, what, I am, what am I a simulation of? <laughs> In other words, yeah. what 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 made me, what 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 decided I should look like this? Mm. Um, that, now we're transitioning from, uh, we've been through technology and uh, sociology and, and uh, philosophy. And now oh, we're yeah. going off the deep end into a uh, um, religion and more. So I just thought those are the kinds of things that these topics start to have us think about. And unfortunately, a lot of what these topics end up having to think about are so deeply ingrained in humanity that they become very controversial and often end up becoming, I don't want to say roadblocks, but maybe I do, uh, roadblocks to... Uh, letting, uh, uh, to allowing us to really pursue some of these ideas as far as they need to be pursued. Um, You know, as soon as you start asking who's the, uh, uh, you know, who programmed me, um, that opens up a big can of worms for a lot of people that could prevent them from looking at AI with a completely open mind.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to have that problem people not have any open mind about it. Yep.
0: Hmm. I think we're already there, to be honest. Oh, well, yeah. I have not seen much of it, fortunately, just probably because the bubble that I look at um, is all about um, either how wonderful AI is or will be. Um, or look at how stupid AI was today. <laughs> right? There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of those stories coming out, especially when uh, Microsoft threw uh, ChatGPT into Bing for some subset. And I'm a little annoyed, by the way. Um, yeah. I do not have access to that yet. And I wanted to. I
1: well, wanted they're, to- still, they're still demanding uh, uh, you give up some what is it? You have to install something? or Yes, you have, to or ins- something? you have
0: to install the Bing app and you also have to accept uh, the Microsoft defaults on your PC, which for the moment, I've, just, de- yeah. I've just decided that, you know, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand. I don't take many stands when it comes to this kind of stuff. And especially with respect to Microsoft, since I have you know, a, a small smidgen of loyalty, but they're, they've just been annoying me too much with how much they're trying to push down my throat. And this was another, another case of that.
1: Meanwhile, I have ponied up and I, I actually pay the 20 bucks a month for, uh, chat GPT. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. So it's not, it's nice. Cause it's fast turbo mode or whatever. Okay. And, uh, no, I've never had any problems logging in or anything since, since then, and I don't feel guilty about hitting it with tons and tons of stupid questions. Right. <laughs> um, I, but you know what? It was an easy sell, uh, only partially because I felt there's some value in it. Right. Uh, and I'm doing, I'm doing some videos on it. I actually have my second video coming out uh, tomorrow. By it'll be out by the time this airs. Of uh, that, I'm, where I'm demonstrating doing things with GPT. So I'm actually using it. To, I'm making tutorials on it, but mm-hmm. also I'm using it for just various different things here and there, both with programming help. Um, I heard somebody comment that uh, chat GPT is just as good as stack overflow, but uh, without all the annoying a-holes that, you know, which is a problem, right? You know, you people (laughs) commenting, you know, you idiot, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, it's so annoying. Just, you know, and you could just ask chat GPT and it'll just tell you the answer. Oh, to use the, you know, this and whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. What's the accuracy
0: bit that you've seen though?
1: It's pretty, uh, pretty good as accurate as the comments are, right? I think accuracy when you go uh, go to a place like uh, Stack Overflow is uh, the problem is is that the question that somebody else answered on, on a post is never exactly the question you're asking, mm-hmm. right? So you ask how do I do X? And somebody else, you find a post where somebody said, how do I do Y? And right. Y is close enough to X that now I can read through it and kind of be like, oh, I see what they did here. Sometimes you even get the answer in the question. Like they're saying, I figured out how to do this. How do I go to the next step? And you're like, oh, I just want to figure out the part that you actually put in your initial code. You know, So you're always adjusting and trying to figure that out. And sometimes it's like, oh, this doesn't apply to me or my situation. All right, I got to look for another another answer or whatever Whereas P- chat gpt you've also got some inaccuracy but at least you can ask exactly what your question is and it tries to answer your exact question right away
0: the so- thing that is, seems missing from chat gpt since we we it has a reputation right now of being confidently wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. um is that it um um with something like stack overflow uh, the A-holes aren't the only answers you get. Very often, I see uh, questions and then answers and then clarifications and then corrections and then basically the sequence of comments, which is actually one of the nice things about the upvote system that, that causes the, the the best answer, so to speak, to float to the top. Um it's kind of self-correcting, or at least Mm. self-refining. And even though it may not necessarily be the exact same question you had, there's a higher probability that the question that actually, or the answer that actually makes it to the top is, in fact, uh, correct to at least some degree. And you can actually see some interesting discussion about how it may or may not be correct uh, following. So, but yeah, um, it's interesting. I just, I, 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 I'm reluctant to, I'm still reluctant to use it for code. Um, but I've I started you have to,
1: to, you can't just blindly take it. Like I would never uh, like ask for a piece of code to run at the command line, you know, that especially if it involves deleting files or something, and then just be asked for a piece of code, then take it, copy, paste it, and run it. Let's just see what happens. Um, but, you know, looking at I'd... code where I can say, Oh, I want to display a number in this format how do i do it okay here's a piece of code no eh, that kind of looks right let me try it oh it's not right all right let me rephrase the question or let me ask something else right uh, you know so you, it, it almost feels more like you're having kind of an assistant than like actually going to a forum where there are other experts and an right. assistant is like almost a perfect term because you, if you were if you were say a blacksmith right and you were trying to craft something out of metal You may have an assistant there. You're the more experienced. You're the blacksmith. That's just your assistant. But you may still ask your assistant, well, what do you think of this? Should we use this metal or that metal? And the assistant may have some good information, but you have to realize they don't know as much as you. Coding is kind of the same thing. It's like, I feel chat GPT is my assistant. I could be like, yeah, I could look all this up in the documentation. But hey, assistant, what do you think? How should I format this regular expression? And the assistant says, how about this? I'm like, well, that's an interesting idea. Let me try it. You know, and and if it works, hey, just saved you all that time. And if it didn't work, okay, let's let's dig into why. I I I don't know. I'm using it for that anyway. The twenty bucks a month, another reason, in addition to the fact I'm using it for lots of things, is it doesn't feel very permanent. (laughs) Like when you sign up for something, like if you sign up for uh, cable, you're like, oh boy, you know, I'm going to have this for years. And they're going to keep raising the price. And if I want to quit, they're going to keep trying to keep me on and all this stuff. It's like, uh, oh, it feels a little permanent when you just right. pick a cable company. For something like chat, uh, you know, chat GPT, I got a feeling it's like, am I going to be using it in six months? Like, will what will Google's uh what are they calling it? Bard, Bard. will Google's Bard be better. Will there be another another one? Will the will, you know, I be using Bing? I, you know, I don't know, but I kind of feel like that there's, it's going, uh, when I'm paying 20 bucks a month, I'm paying it for this month, next month, the next month after that, maybe we'll see yeah. as long as it be, as long as it's still the best value for my 20 bucks in getting this kind of thing, I'll keep doing it. Otherwise I'll switch. I don't feel like I signed up for something like, oh boy, 20 bucks times the next five years. No, <laughs> maybe just the next five months. It's kind so, of how
0: I feel with my, uh, my Amazon web services it's like yeah i'm signing up for this forever
1: well um, yeah exactly because you're investing a lot of time exactly into bu- into moving your sites there into building your services around aws right so you do feel like that whereas chat gpt if bard came out tomorrow and i could get the same stuff but maybe better from bard or cheaper i could just switch right you know, I just lose a part of a month's worth of my twenty bucks. That's the most I'd lose. So it's it was funny. an easy decision to say twenty. Sure, bucks. sure.
0: I may, you may have convinced me. I may have to, I may have to go do the same. We'll play with it some more. It's funny. One of the things that, um, in the realm of asking it coding questions, I think one of the things that somebody tried to do early on was to ask it to create regular expressions. I can't remember if we create. Oh talk yeah, about that here. I've used it for that. Yeah. Have you? Um, I have as well. I've looked at and um, I was uh, disappointed. I will just Mm. say that because I think out of like three or four attempts to come up with a a reasonable regular expression for something, I don't remember what it was. um, It was always off. It was always something not quite right about the regular expression. Now, to be fair... In that sense, it's mimicking a human very, very well, because nobody gets regular expressions right, especially (laughs) not the first time. But I was expecting a little bit better. So
1: I find for regular expressions, it works best when you know just enough to be like, let me try this. No, that's not quite right. Oh, how do I do this part? Let me ask ChatGPT. And it comes up with something that's like, well, that's close to what I came up with, but it's using this character here. Right. And let me try that or let me look that up. Oh, because it actually you don't even have to look it up because I believe it explains what each thing does.
0: That's right. It did what I did that too. Yes. And
1: yes. so then you're like, oh yeah, of course I forgot about the reverse global blah, 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 you know, and then you, <laughs> so then, so then it's like, kind of works again, like the assistant right. saying, oh, G boss, I don't, I don't know either, but, but have you thought about this? I remember there's this character that does this and you were like, oh, okay. The two of us
0: together, we'll figure it out. Well, this it doesn't say, "G boss, I don't know." It, right? it, says, it says, "It it should," but it says it, very it, confidently, "This is the answer, regardless of whether it's." Oh,
1: I right. <laughs> bet you can! I, I'll bet you can get Chat GPT to say because there's also all of that in Chat GPT too. That's true. Yes. Where you could tell it in the conversation, like treat me like I'm your boss, and it's and you're it's you know whatever this time period and all of this stuff, and you could actually like train it to.
0: Pretend you're a (laughs) sycophant.
1: Well, you could even say, you know, help me out with this regular expression and do it in, uh, you know, uh, ionic pentameter. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it will be like, okay, you know, try doing that with an assistant, right? They'll be like, oh, I'm going to work for somebody else. But chat GPT will be like, Sure. Here we go. I am a pentameter explanation of this regular expression for you. Oh,
0: oh Lord. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, so we've just spent almost an hour talking about about, um, artificial intelligence, and I suspect it won't be the last, but it's an interesting, interesting topic. I really, I really, um, I'm looking forward to uh, where it's going to take us. So um ain't it cool so you beat me to something darn it
1: yeah so well you know we both talk about it i mean the new series on peacock poker face uh believe it's the guy behind those glass onion movies and also natasha leon uh the actress yep. it's it is actually it's a really interesting concept to murder yeah every week murder mystery yep Thing. She, her only weird thing is that in addition to being very persistent and trying to figure out what's going on, uh, she has the ability to tell when people are lying. Um, It's weird. The name it's, poker it's, face.
0: it's not even that she tells when they're lying. She just yeah. knows. She
1: just, insti- she doesn't even know how it works. Yep. She instinctively knows that something is off. Although she did say something interesting in one episode about some actors and some movies. Did you catch that part? No, I missed
0: that. I missed that. She, yeah. she
1: quickly runs off a couple, like three acting roles in three movies where she says, you know, I think one of them was like Christian Slater and true romance and they, like in two others. And she said, truth, truth, truth. In other words, the act, she believed the acting job was so good that it passed her truth test. But for normal people, she yeah. can tell when people are lying, which basically gets her in all sorts of trouble because these crimes are happening around her. She tra- she's traveling around And the crimes are happening around her. And then inevitably, somebody who's very guilty, who's about to get away with it, says something they shouldn't say and she looks at him and says ah oh, no he's lying about <laughs> oh, that's that it's not, not exactly
0: yeah. what she says but yes now
1: what well, she she thinks to herself she's lying about that now i'm kind of the one that's now responsible for solving this because right. i know this person's lying anyway really great style great cinematography yep. and uh, you know which yep. you don't even think it's like why would that even be there but there's this great cinematography to it a great mood and feeling and just and even the storytelling method uh, is, is i've noticed that there's a technique impressive.
0: they're using where you basically when you when the show starts you're yeah. already like 25 percent into the story and then right. they rewind right. um, yes
1: and and the cool thing is is that you don't see the main character in any of the episodes at the beginning
0: Right. But she's there. She was there all along. Yeah.
1: All along. And when they go back, you see where she was. And it's really interesting because it reminds you that in every story, whether it's real life or fiction, there are other people that are there that you don't even notice. And anyway, it's just, it's, really well so well done that i'm like it's it's definitely put down the laptop put everything else away focus <laughs> on focus this on the show. The, these excellent this excellent show that's extremely well crafted anyway yeah
0: natasha leone is a wonderful actress too i love i love her i loved her in yes. uh, uh oranges and the new black a couple of other things she did um she's definitely uh the best way i can describe it is simply as unique um yes. you know there there, there are no uh, natasha leone uh, lookalikes, clones, or anything like that. And I think that... Or even this, act like
1: She is, this is definitely <laughs> a very... Yes, I, I, I'm a huge fan too now.
0: And I don't know if this is a role that was created for her or if she just happened to be a perfect fit for it, but it fits her really, really well. Yeah. Um, my cool is honestly, talking about Star Trek, uh, Picard started uh, this week, uh, mm-hmm. the third and final season of Star Trek Picard and um i'm just uh, i'm just looking forward to it I'm, I'm enjoying uh watching in this case they're getting a number of the the cast members from the the next generation back together uh you know with their own individual storylines all having progressed however number of years uh, was in the interim so anyway that's my it's it's i'm just i'm enjoying watching that and there's another episode coming up in a few days excellent Cool. Uh, Let's see. The closest thing we have to an ad, of course, is our own blatant self-promotion. This week, I am going to point folks at why do people create free software? It's askleo.com slash 17564. Um, It's a surprising question. I actually did get it. I've gotten a few times over the last couple of years, or last 20 years, actually, I've been doing this. Um, And... Um, there are a wide variety of answers from uh, completely uh, altruistic and benign to completely uh, malicious and not quite so benign. Uh, so anyway, point at that. And you know maybe it'll be something we uh, will talk about again in the future because I think there's, yep. a, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack.
1: Yep. Uh, mine, I'll point out a video called uh, Seven Ways to Fix a Mac Keyboard that is not working correctly. Because, you know, sometimes when your keyboard's not working, it's broken. But sometimes it's not. Right. Sometimes you simply switched on a mode or an accessibility feature, or you've changed keyboard input uh, languages. All, there are all sorts of things that you could accidentally switch on on a Mac that would make your keyboard behave differently. And people, if you, if you don't know you've done it, you may assume that your keyboard's broken when all, all you need to do, in fact, is just switch back that setting. So I list as many of those as I can uh, in hopes of uh, helping people.
0: So. One of the uh, interesting things that I've run across again over multiple times over the years is that I find that people are either unwilling or just don't think of the fact that, yeah, hardware can break. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, I hear from people who are having trouble with their keyboard, and they don't even think about the possibility that it's perhaps physically broken. Yeah, uh, this, which is kind of the opposite of what you just described. Opposite. yeah, it's the opposite. Um, yeah, but um, it's it it just fascinates me because for me, I mean, I've been doing this long enough. Like, the keyboard's not working. Well, crap, get the spare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. A, have a spare, and B, plug it in and see what happens. Right. Right. So. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for another week. It was a good one. Yep. The show notes for this week are out at tehpodcast.com slash TEH185. If you've got a comment or question for us, by all means, leave it out there. We absolutely see it. Thanks, as always, for listening. And we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye.